Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. A Game Warden's children's book, titled A Cowboy in the Woods, is a story of Bobby, a boy who spends the whole summer observing wildlife, writing notes in his notebook, fishing with his dad, and keeping track of all the animals in his neighborhood while trying to solve a neighborhood mystery. What he discovers is more than just an appreciation for the natural world. The idea for this book came from Wayne Saunders' own childhood experiences, growing up and exploring the woods and streams and lakes and ponds of his native New Hampshire. The love of nature instilled in his childhood led him to a career as a conservation officer. Wayne Saunders is a retired lieutenant conservation officer from the New Hampshire Fish and Game Department. Lindsay Webb is a naturalist, wildlife biologist, and environmental educator. Together, they collaborated with wildlife artist Ashley Mares to produce The Cowboy in the Woods, the story of a boy whose love of nature leads him in unexpected directions. Available at wardenswatch.com and Amazon. Warden's Watch Podcast is now on Patreon, combining the Thin Green Line Podcast and the Warden's Watch Podcast on Patreon to bring member-exclusive extra content both video, audio, and with product deals as well. Become a member to support our podcast and get something extra. Search Warden's Watch Podcast on Patreon. We love our children. We protect them. We guide them. We prepare them for life in the world. With all that we do, from deep in our hearts, we cannot control all things. Life-threatening illnesses and disabilities affect far too many of our children each year. While we cannot change the circumstance, we can make dreams come true. Dreams to provide hope, to provide spiritual healing and strength, to provide moments of happiness and relief in the hardest of times. We can give a glimmer of light and hope in a time of darkness and despair. Join huntofalifetime.org to help make dreams come true, to provide hope for children with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nonprofit organization fulfilling dreams for hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Visit huntofalifetime.org to learn how you can make a difference. Please join me, Game Warden Wayne Saunders, and other Game Wardens on our adventures, protecting wildlife, saving lives, and having fun, all while serving the public and the natural resources of our planet. Listen to the tales and experiences of those who work in the outdoors while being entertained with stories about encounters with poachers, wildlife investigations, murder investigations, near-death experiences, search and rescue missions, wildlife interactions from Game Wardens around the country and around the world. When I retired, I realized I couldn't let go of that legacy, but rather wanted to share the passion, the commitment, and the stories of those men and women who call themselves Game Wardens. This is Game Warden, Wayne Saunders, and this is Warden's Watch. 
episode 77, The Rookie. And we're going to drop three podcasts today. The Rookie, a seasoned warden, and we're going to finish it up with somebody from the command staff from the Pennsylvania Game Commission, who was who I was able to hang out with during the Great American Outdoor Show. It was a great time. I worked with them. I was able to do some interviews as well as get a feel for Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania hunters, Pennsylvania fishermen. I was able to hang out with the Fish and Boat Commission in Pennsylvania. You're going to find out through these next few podcasts over the course of a month that they are separate entities, why they are separate entities, why it works well for them. Well, John Norris isn't with us today for a a run into the beginning of the podcast because he's been doing a lot of work on a feature film, documentary, call sign Trailblazer. It's being filmed throughout Montana and California about our thin green line fight to protect our wildlife waterways, wildland resources, not only from cartels, but resource criminals nationwide. So he's been doing a lot of work, that film documentary, so he wasn't able to join us on this lead-in today. I had a great time meeting a lot of the hunters in Pennsylvania, the Great American Outdoor Show, NRA, is the one that puts on the Great American Outdoor Show. I was able to work with some of their people down there, and we had a very good time. They were very hospitable to Warden's Watch, and I want to thank everybody down there, whether it's the Pennsylvania Commission, Game Commission, the Fish and Boat Commission, or the NRA. It was just a, a great time, great opportunity to talk with people, to interact with people, a Hunt of a Lifetime was down there. You're going to be hearing some podcasts that I did with Hunt of a Lifetime. Hunt of a Lifetime and Warden's Watch have worked hand-in-hand hand almost from the beginning. And that was a great opportunity. I met some really great people that have worked with Hunt of a Lifetime for a lot of years, as well as a survivor from a Hunt of a Lifetime, which was really great to sit down and speak with him and talk about the program as he is just turning 21 and was able to participate and right now is cancer-free. So that's, that's what's coming up in this whole month. So we're going to be dropping a lot of podcasts because I want things to be timely. We just came back from the Great American Outdoor Show, and I want to share with you, and I want to be talking about the Great American Outdoor Show in June, which we certainly could because I think I interviewed about nine people during that time frame lots of podcasts. My producer and I decided that we would drop like three at a time. We would highlight the Pennsylvania Commission with drops of three and Hunt of a Lifetime with a couple drops. There's also something else exciting that coming up is Warden's Watch Wild. We have an all new podcast which we're going to be engaging with wildlife professionals, biologists, people that lay people that have become professionals and experts in their expertise, whether they are bear experts or whether they are moose experts just by the type of hobby they do, the type of extracurricular activities they do, things like that, uh, whether it's a rehabber uh, that rehabs wildlife, whether it's a moose biologist out of Maine, whether it's a biologist out of New Hampshire or a regional biologist for the area, we're going to get a little tidbit about the wildlife in North America. I'm really looking forward to it. It's already been exciting. Uh, as a game warden, I thought I knew about a lot about wildlife, and you do, but I, it's always cool to sit down with a biologist and learn some more. That's what I did. That's what I hope you're going to do by listening to this series. That's going to be released in the next couple of weeks, too. Lots of things going on. I think you're going to enjoy it. We're picking up the Warden's Watch platform. I'm hoping that all you guys will like it. And if you do like it, say so. Please uh, give us a rating on whether it's Spotify, whether it's Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That helps us. Also, if you want to see it, it's on Patreon. You can actually see a lot of the interviews. There's a lot of extra content on there. Also, $5 a month helps us helps us continue the podcast for sure. So if you just want to support us, that's a great way to support us. There's also a donation. If you go to wardenswatch.com, there's also a place to donate. And there's uh, stuff there, Warden's Watch uh, clothing, hats, although I'm not a big fan of their hats. But clothing, great clothing, sweatshirts, bags, coffee mugs, things like that. Anyways, we'll get on with this 
episode of Warden's Watch. The Rookie. So I am at the headquarters of the Pennsylvania Game Commission for this Warden's Watch. And the Academy, the Game Warden Academy, is actually attached to the headquarters buildings, which is really, really interesting. Uh, it's probably the first... Uh, I'd like to go through around the country and see how many are attached to their headquarters buildings. I'm going to... I don't think there's very many. I bet that you can count them on a hand or less. So I had the opportunity to sit down with Zach Salzgitter, who is a recruit uh, for the Fishing Game Commission to be a game warden here in Pennsylvania. And he is in his last day of the Pennsylvania Game Commission Academy to be a game warden. It is your last day, right? Yes, it is. This is the last day before we graduate tomorrow. Uh, this feels pretty good, doesn't it? It's surreal, honestly. So yeah. I spent 44 weeks here. You know, it's it's kind of amazing feeling to you know know that it's finally coming to an end, and we get to you know get out there and start doing the job. Because I can remember, I can probably remember the last day. I'm like thinking back to the last day of my academy, which was 25 years ago, and yeah, that feeling was epic. <laughs> I just it it was just surreal. Yeah, and then to get to be that, but one thing. You know, we, we had this conversation before that, that New Hampshire does is different and a lot of other states do and a lot of other states don't do is we have a combined academy statewide. So sheriff's department, local police, state police, we all go to the same academy. Then we break out and we do our own thing. There's some good things with that, I think, the camaraderie that builds. But walking down these halls today, I felt so much pride uh, as a game warden and as... Uh, you know, a kind of a spokesman for the Pennsylvania Game Commission Academy right now. I was just, I was like, this is going to be an awesome podcast, Zach, because I just, you're walking down these, these rows to see the first academy class. Day one, day one. Tell me about day one when you get here, because I remember day one, two in the academy, Zach, and I bet it was pretty similar. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was a culture shock, uh, especially coming from my previous profession. I have no prior law enforcement or military background, anything like that. So uh, when we showed up, there's people out in the parking lot in full dress uniform telling us what they wanted us to do. Um, How'd they tell you that, though? I'm, I'm just wondering if I'm getting flashbacks here. So Loudly and with burpees. Yeah. Loudly and with burpees. Okay. Um, it hasn't changed then. No, no. So it was it was a culture shock from the beginning. You know, it's not, you know, it was surprising to me. You kind of know getting into it. Like, it's a law enforcement academy. There's mm-hmm. going to be stuff like that. But until you see it firsthand, you don't really realize what exactly it's going to be. So that whole first week was, you know, just trying to, you know, figure everything out kind of get a feel for what the academy is going to be like because it is a 44-week academy so mm. you know you're in it for the long haul so you kind of have to adjust and get used to the parameters that you uh you know we do live here throughout the week so just getting used to that so let's let's go back like you said you had no background why the switch up because you didn't go to college for this yeah no i went to college for journalism i spent three and a half years doing that working at a local tv station uh and honestly i just I didn't like my job, what I was doing previously. I was sitting behind a desk, spent most of my day on Twitter, which most people would be think that's pretty cool. I just got paid to tweet most of the time, but I was tired of being stuck behind a desk and the things I looked forward to was, you know, after work being able to get out in the woods and go hunt and do that stuff. When I was doing my senior project in college, I did it on wildlife management, a 30-minute TV show, and during that I interviewed a game warden in the South Central region here for that senior project. So I got a chance to talk to him and everything. And during that interview, I remember walking out of the South Central Regional Office that day like, wow, that's a really cool job. And I ignored those instincts for the next four years of my life. And then I saw an ad come up and I just thought it was time and made the leap. It's a year-long recruiting process too. So I was about two and a half years into my previous career when I saw the ad. And then you go through a really long process, vetting everything, making sure that the best people in the state who apply for the job are the ones that end up in this room. So just getting into this room in the first place kind of felt like an accomplishment knowing that, you know, there was only 30 people out of, you know, the entire state of Pennsylvania and other states that were first allowed this year. It was a select group already. Mm, that's, that's a unique this year that they actually let non-residents apply for the position. Yeah, we have uh, one person who's going to graduate who came all the way from Florida to be a Pennsylvania game warden. So his first time in PA was coming to this academy. 
And then we have two people from our neighboring state in New Jersey who made the jump over the border and are uh, coming to Pennsylvania, the better of the two states. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, exodus. <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. I, I, th- I think that's just a reflection of what's happening out there as far as recruitment by expanding that and trying to get the, like you said, the best candidate candidates for this room may not just be from the state of Pennsylvania, but now we have to expand because we're not getting the right candidates or enough candidates for the state of Pennsylvania. So we open up our doors a little wider, not not to, to reduce your standards, but to give other people opportunities. Absolutely. And if they're willing to make the move and they're the right people, but all three of those people have been you know excellent here and are going to go and take pride in their districts and take pride in Pennsylvania and, you know, upholding our wildlife tradition. So they all done a great job. I think it's a good thing to incorporate that to continue the traditions we have here at RLSC. Mm, absolutely. And that's part of walking down these halls and ingraining Pennsylvania game warden mentality. Every corner you walk around in this school, there's a different piece of history. You really get a feeling for all the other classes that have come through this school. Only 762 people have ever graduated from RLSC, so it is a select group, and you get a feel for every single one of them as you walk through the hallways and see the history that's up on the wall. Every cl- previous class is hung up on the wall with their class pictures, and you really get a feel for there's prior you know cases hanging in glass around. It's very uh, everything's game warden centric here at the headquarters, you know, not many other law enforcement academies are you going to see duck wings and stuff in glass cases. So it's a very unique place and you really get a feel and take pride in that history as you continue on through the school, as you walk down these hall each and every, halls each and every day. Yeah, I, I stopped and took a picture of the first class, the, the beginning of the Pennsylvania, you know, academy. And then you just keep walking and walking and walking and then there's that trans- transition from black and white to color, which I'm going to say that they had color before that because it was 1999, I think, was the last black and white. And, I, I you know, I, I, was, I grew up in the 80s. We had color photos back then. So I don't know if, if they liked the black and white or what the transition was at that point. I'm sure that was part of it. They didn't want to change it. So just keep them all black and white. But they did finally make that transition. So And some of those people, um, obviously, we train here in Harrisburg now at the mm. you know headquarters. But it did used to be up in Brockway, Pennsylvania. Uh, and a little, basically a cabin in the woods is where the old school was. We got to visit that site earlier this year as well and step, you know, foot on those grounds for where the first Pennsylvania game wardens got the train. And that was a really cool experience as well, just to see where those guys trained, which is, it's just state game lands now. There's a marker. Um, we actually took the sign that was there. It was, uh, starting to take some, you know, damage from being out in the weather all those years. And we mm. refurbished that to preserve that history as part of our class project to make sure that that's, you know, remembered for all our future classes that come through this place. I took a picture of that as well because just the things that, that, that hit me going through and the, that was one of the things that hit me, that sign with the history imprinted on it. And uh, you guys did a great job at, at reoccurring and bringing that up. What are the things in 44 weeks? There's, there's a lot of subjects to get crammed in this, isn't there? There is. Uh, it's 44 weeks, and there's all kinds of different things that we learn. Uh, game wardens in general, we're asked to do a lot of things. You have to be law enforcement officer first and foremost, so you have to get all the law portion of it down. You kind of have to be a little bit of a field biologist as well because we're dealing with animals all the time, handling them, dealing with wildlife disease, so you have to be really cognizant of that. You have to learn about habitat. Our game wardens uh, have the opportunity. One of the promotions that we can get within the agency is to the land management position. So we do a lot of, uh, you learn a lot about land management, habitat management to continue to provide that habitat because it's every year becomes more of an issue, making sure that we have quality and enough habitat throughout the state as, you know, more urban sprawl continues to take over. So that's an important part of what the game commission does as well. So we cover everything from the law enforcement stuff to learning about, all the birds and wild animals of Pennsylvania and how to tranquilize a bear and, you know, going mm. through that process and processing those bears tooth the pool and all that stuff. So we do get training on that where we get to deal with live bears and, you know, get that experience of, you know, doing that before we hit the field and have to start doing that in public places when everybody's crowding around you. Uh, that, that's great. Cause that's, that's some of the training that, that I didn't get. And that's some of the training we learned uh, for hard knocks. I could tell you some of uh not so much me, but my my, my former boss uh, with the, with the drugging of animals and such. So. 
<laughs> yeah, it's uh imperfect process. It's one of those things you have to do a lot of times to really get the hang of it. And it's everybody who we've had, you know, come into this building, they've told us, you're not really going to know the job until you're out there for yeah. two or three years. Because there's just so many different things that you're going to see that you you could be in your career. I was with a field training officer earlier this year who's been on the job for, you know, 20 years. And there's still new things that he's seeing mm-hmm. on a weekly basis, like never got that call before. So Whenever you're dealing with wildlife, you never know what you're going to you know, run into, whether it's a bear in the mall or anything else you find out in the woods. Yeah, recently, wasn't there a bear like living on the outskirts of Philadelphia, was it, or maybe? That certainly happened. I know that there's been you know, bears in downtown Pittsburgh quite a few times. Actually, when I worked in the news station, there was a <laughs> Good to bear cover in one. downtown Harrisburg that we covered. It was running through the streets of downtown Harrisburg. So we're the people they call when that happens, and you always draws a crowd so oh, yeah grab your cameras grab your stuff because you're going to be live reporting on the bear running through the streets of pittsburgh so. yep. yeah. don't want to miss with that tranquilizer dart that's for sure yeah no i can see why they picked you to do this podcast you know with your broadcasting and i, I can see where your future is going to go too so when you have those skill sets that are so strong it, it's it's good and that's one thing about being a game warden i, I don't think we talk about it enough Years ago, when we started with the first academy class, those guys, almost everybody knew what a game warden was. As our culture has changed, uh, I think less and less because they haven't been connected to their roots and the wild. They've been, you know, grouping together in cities. Uh, you know, shows like the Northwoods Law, Lone Star Law, all of those, I think have just brought it back up again, which is great. And that's kind of what I want to continue this podcast in, in doing those things. Um, Getting back to the academy, I don't know. Sometimes I go down rabbit trails that I shouldn't. <laughs> and that was just one of them. Class that maybe stood out in your mind that you enjoyed. I mean, I, I know we're talking 44 weeks. but something that grabbed you and kind of held you. Because I was telling you what you were good at and probably what you may not want to gravitate to. But sometimes we gravitate as supervisors. We take people that are good at certain things and put them there, whether they like it or not. <laughs> I mean, really all the hands-on stuff. I mean, we had a lot of opportunities. I learned a lot of new skill sets, um, you know, while I was here. There's, you know, everybody has the different background, different things they grew up doing. I grew up hunting and fishing and doing that sort of stuff, but never had that, you know, personal contact with a bear. Last, mm. Just last week, I was never a trapper growing up. Never really had that side of it, and we got the chance to actually, you know, skin out and process some pelts just to give us that knowledge because when we're out in the field, you want to be able to talk intelligently and, you know, get those points across to the trapping public and make sure that, you know, they know that you, you're on the same page mm-hmm. with them. So just really all the hands-on stuff. Uh, anytime you can get out of the classroom, it's it's usually a pretty good experience. Um, we've gotten to, we got to go up to the elk range. Um, when we were doing the you know, the stuff with the bears as, as well, Pennsylvania does have that unique you know thing where we have the elk in our north central region. Yeah. So we were able to get up, and that's the first time I'd ever seen an elk in person in the wild. So that was a cool experience just to get up there and see them. Uh, it wasn't the rut, so they weren't bugling, but it was still amazing just to see them this summer. So that trip up to the north central where we got to handle live bears and uh, see the elk and everything was a pretty amazing experience. Now they're certainly an amazing animal, and to have the the most eastern herd there is is yeah something again pennsylvania should be proud of and to reintroduce those animals because a lot of us travel very far to go hunt them and see them otherwise be nice to have a you know a herd that's sustainable that's that's closer than driving to colorado for sure and it it draws people from all over just to go up and see them Mm. Uh, you go up to that benazette area and the right around september and there's just crowds you know all over every mountain in that area just to look at them and they want to hear that bugle absolutely and Mm. it's uh not a lot of people get to hunt them in the state we still have a pretty limited draw on the amount of people get to hunt them every day so it's a pretty coveted every year you get you know 400 inch bulls that are shot in this state so a Mm. lot of really really big animals uh and it's a cool culture to go up there and just see how invested everybody is not just the hunting public but the non-hunting public as well who just enjoy the wildlife and want to go out and see it because as the game commission a lot of people think of us as you know we're here for the hunting public which we are here to represent them and you know preserve that hunting heritage but we're also here for the non-consumptive you know people in pennsylvania who just want to see the wildlife so we're here to preserve it for them as well so it's good to see that's one of those things that they get to enjoy and that people have really you know grabbed onto up in that area yeah and having them understand each other too i think that's important because i think that's where the gap lies the people that want to see it want to preserve it they don't understand conservation as a total but there's a learning moment there for those people 
to, to understand what hunters do, how we conserve. And it's not just preservation. It's about using the resource wisely to have a healthy herd, to grow that herd, and still do that. And I think it's a, a learning moment for everybody. So that, that that's a great aspect of that. I, I'm going to go down a rabbit trail again. I'm going to tell you about my first elk experience. Um, I, I retired, and my retirement gift was uh, to go to Colorado elk hunting. So I went with my father and brother-in-law, and we went five days prior to to acclimate to the the high elevation, as well as do some scouting, because I just got something, I just couldn't hire a guide to to take me out as a game warden. It takes, you know, takes a little pride away. So I'm like, I can do this, and did my normal research, calling the local game wardens and such, and getting good, you know, areas. Then there was plenty of other hunters there. One of the things he said, just get a mile off the road, you hardly see anybody, and he was very correct. Didn't mind hiking in, and some of the first hikes I took, it's like two and a half hours in, and I could see this big long field, and there was elk at the back, and I got my binoculars, and there's a there's a bull down, and there's a whole herd of elk down there, and I'm all excited, but I'm like, they can see me coming a mile, so I tried to come down the edge of the woodland and kind of sneak up on them, and that just didn't work, but they they just went in the woodland, well, right in the wood edge as I got there, so I got I just started tracking them, and as I got to the edge, he let out a bugle like 30 yards from me, and I was like, uh, the, the hair on the back of my neck stood up. I could hear the cows mewing, and he just wouldn't stop bugling. And all of a sudden, from across the valley, another one opens up. And I was just, I was in awe. I was in total awe. I was in the middle of nowhere by myself with a bunch of elk. And it was towards the end of the season. It was going to be the first rifle season in Colorado. And it was just so. So I had to share that with you. So Because I, I, I agree that the things are majestic. And anybody that hunts them appreciates them. Anybody that sees them appreciates them. And to have the, the, the herd this close to uh, on the eastern seaboard. Yeah, I just had a conversation with a biologist the other day to see, like, where elk were and, you know, what their habitats were, you know, before we got here. You know, did we have elk in New Hampshire, Maine? I think we were in that woodland caribou area more so, definitely. So, anyways, that's my elk story. But uh, I'm glad that you had a similar experience because, again, being a northeast warden, I never had that elk experience, and that was my elk experience. But I can understand why that stands out with you. Yeah, it's very, it's, I think every hunter, anybody who spends a lot of time outdoors, you always, you, like you said, that surreal experience when you're sitting there and hearing that elk bugle, even with other wildlife here in Pennsylvania, you spend enough time in the woods. Everybody has those moments that they can kind of look back on where you just get to see wildlife in a different light, which is one of the really cool things about, gives you that appreciation for wildlife and, you know, wanting to protect it and make sure it's here for future generations. Other things that I really didn't like about that wildlife as an officer and the older I got, the worse I got was uh, sometimes we have to destroy that those things because those bears get acclimated to people um, when they find out there's a refrigerator in every one of those boxes that we call homes and they can go in there and there's food in there uh, that's just that that that's a serious serious problem when every bear when the bear starts breaking into the house and get into the refrigerator and then it goes from house to house to house and you know that's just the, the downside of the job is sometimes we have to destroy these animals that have bad behaviors yeah, and it's one of those things where it's it's kind of a double-edged sword because you do have to, you know, it is one of the unfortunate unfortunate parts of the job. But when you look at it from a larger population perspective, I think it's easier to make people, let the public know who might not understand why you're doing something, the importance of doing some of those things. Because not only is there the, you know, actual biological caring capacity, but there's a social, you know, caring capacity as well. So if that bear's, you know, habituated and it is coming in and causing damage to people's homes, that's something that has to be dealt with because, you know, bears have to have their place and humans have theirs. So, and that goes with a lot of animals. If you explain, you know, disease and CWD, why, you know, some of the things we're doing are necessary to protect the population as a whole and making sure that they, you know, have their place going forward. Yeah, no, that was well said. You got a really good education here. I'm impressed. <laughs> all, all the things that took me, you know, 20 years to learn uh, for, for sure that, that they're teaching you here at the academy. So that's great. I just, you know, there are downsides to our job that we don't care that we have to do. And that's what, it's, it's not all roses. I, I want people to know that. And game wardens put their lives on the line. You guys are armed. You deal with, you know, suspect uh, poachers just recently. You know, law enforcement was killed in Germany from poachers. It's, it's, it's a fact of life that it's a dangerous job. So I don't, I don't want to let people forget that as far as animals go when we interact with animals and as far as people go. 
and whether it's poachers, whether it's criminals, uh, because we're starting to engage in a lot of different criminals in the woods. Uh, they seem to want to go to hide there. And that's, that's, that's where we operate. They used to not feel as comfortable in the woods. They're starting to get a little more comfortable. I'll say COVID sent everybody to our great outdoors. Criminals, great people, all kinds of different people. And so as far as what kind of uh, stuff did you learn in the academy and dealing, you know, the, the, the firearms, the defensive tactics, the, the verbal, we used to call it verbal judo. Do they still call it verbal judo or is it more of a communication skills? Yeah, verbal judo is definitely still used. Okay. Um, and that's what we were taught and what we kind of go with. That's your first line of defense because mm-hmm. uh, just talking to people, treating them like humans. You're going to deal with people who aren't going to be happy. You're giving them citations. They're not always going to be happy. But if you can treat them with respect and explain things and just tell them, you know, be honest with them and use some of those verbal judo tactics. We did a lot of a lot of training on uh, communications. Mm. We had some uh, specialists come in. Uh, Jeff Bale, who will be speaking at our graduation, came in right. and did a lot of work with us, just not only on, you know, how you talk to people, but your body language and stuff like that. People are going to pick up on that, and you should know how to pick up on that as well. So we did a lot of training on that because at the end of the day, we want you know every interaction to go smoothly. We're going to deal with people who aren't happy to see us or have done something wrong, but more times than not, you're you can disarm them and make it end a good ending if you just talk to them and work on those communication skills. I know it's something that I dealt with. We do a ten week field training where we're out with veteran officers and stuff. And I mean, I dealt with quite a few people who weren't happy to see the game warden. But if you just talk to them and understand their situation, um, you mentioned the firearm stuff. One of the cases we had was we there was a felon not to possess out in the woods who had heroin in his backpack. So not something you're expecting when you're checking a squirrel hunter. Mm-hmm. And he started out really upset. But using some of those skills that you know we learned from Jeff Bale and our other instructors here, we were able to get him to a place where he was calmed down and we were able to you know, make the scene safe and also make sure that you know, we got collected our evidence, did all that stuff in a safe manner and that he felt safe as well. And he was willing to sit there and talk to us then and was, you know, by the end of it, he's thanking people like, thank you for you know, working with me. So, I mean, he was in trouble. There was, you know, things wrong there, but at the end of the day, he was you know willing to work with us because we, even though he's doing stuff wrong, we treat him with respect. We did things safely, but we also respected him and treat him like a human. No, that's great. That's great. And that, that's so important in this day and age that, you know, if you think of all the incidents back, those skill sets, if you just use, treat them like a human, probably wouldn't have a, half those incidents um, for sure. And Jeff Bale has podcasted with me and what a great resource he is. Uh, just the information he can give you in the training, the sit down training and the schooling that's 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 really really important, and I'm just glad that you guys are able to take advantage of his training. Yeah, it was a he was down here for a whole week with us, uh, working on those communications things, and it, it was really cool. Just the little nuances that you don't pick up on, but once he shows it to you, you know, you're talking to people, you start to pick up on it. Uh, whether it's the wave or somebody mm-hmm. you know, scratching their nose, some things that you know other people aren't going to notice, or you know, maybe a sign they might see it, but they're not going to assign it to what does that mean. Yeah. Whereas he's done the studies and, you know, has really worked on collecting some data to, you know, prove some of those points that it, it does work. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, a lot of his tactics, I know they worked for me and they worked for the rest of the class when we were out in the field uh, this fall. So it was definitely really good training. Yeah, it's kind of a shocker, isn't it? When you actually take some of the room class, you use it and you're like, wow, that really worked. Yeah, sometimes things you don't even think you remembered and then you use it. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jeff Bale taught us that. So, yeah, it was definitely really, uh, really cool training that's very useful in the field because we have a lot of tools on our belt, uh, a lot of tools in our truck. The only thing you're going to use every single day as a game warden is your conversation skills. When you're talking to people, whether it's at the gas station or out on state game lands, you're talking to people all day, every day, interacting with them. So some of the most important training we get here. Yeah, no, that's, that's so, so true. And I, I think we've gotten that for a long time because a, a lot of the stuff we do is great stuff. It's at like 90% good. We do 10% with dealing with bad people. That's, you know, that's why it's so hard. But doing that, we have to use those Jeff Bale skills to interpret people very quickly when it's time to turn it on because we know what's coming. I always talk about the sixth sense because I think that is instilled in us. And I always tell new guys like you, when you think something's wrong, 
believe it. Even though you don't know why, it's just something you're telling you is wrong. Just go with it and believe it. Because even at the end of the day, if, if there wasn't something wrong, all you've done is protect yourself and, and put on to that next level. Uh, that sixth sense, uh, I just totally believe it. It's like some some little voice in the back says, there's something messed up with this. And just go with it is, is my advice. And But those are the same things really Jeff's talking about and telling you to notice his body language because uh, they're telling you what they're going to do, how they're going to do it, and to make those decisions. And we deal with so many good people. So when something's odd, it seems to stand out more, um, I think. And I'm not sure if that's part of his training. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and, you know, that's something that's gained through experience and being mm. out in the field, um, for sure. But, you know, most of the people we do deal with, you know, they're just lawful hunters. You know, mm. a lot of times you're taking pictures of, a you know, a 12-year-old with his first yeah. deer. Good guys, good, good girls. And, you know, we're just checking license, making sure they're doing things right. And mm-hmm. most of the time they are. But you can definitely tell when somebody's, you know, hiding something or they don't want you to, you know, walk back a certain trail because, you know, there might be bait back there. You kind of mm-hmm. pick up on those things and you know, how people are acting. Um, so definitely, yeah. you know, helps out in the field for sure. Yeah. I always loved kids checking kids. I checked them first. I'm like, oh, you caught some fish. Yep. I've caught 10. Dad caught one. Uh, <laughs> or, or I should say dad, dad caught 10 and I caught one. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a good reminder of, you know, one of those things of the why you do it um, things. Because all of us, you know, it's a requirement to get into this school. You have to have had prior hunting license. You have to have that mm-hmm. background and be a hunter. Um, and this whole reason most of us are here is because we grew up with, you know, hunting with our fathers and our grandfathers. And we have that, you know, love for the tradition that we have built here in Pennsylvania. So getting to see, you know, kids out there excited for their first season, yeah. for their first deer, it's always cool to see the smile on their face and the excitement. Because obviously we are losing hunting numbers across the, you know, across the country. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an older hunting population to suit to see those young kids excited to get out there. I did a hunter ed class earlier this year in Armstrong County. The place was whole entire sportsman's club was packed with kids. Probably had 60 people in attendance. Wow. And it was just, it was really cool to see that younger generation excited mm. to get that, get out there, get out from in front of the TV and just, you know, go enjoy nature um, and all we have to offer here in this state. Yeah. And Pennsylvania brags of the largest hunting population, I think. They go back and forth with Ohio. I think the numbers reflect. So um, so that's, that's a huge heritage to have and a huge responsibility for you guys to, to, to police the hunting ones. And I just think, I think it's really cool that you have that foundation of support too. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, you want to preserve that heritage, um, that we all grew up with. And, you know, obviously with our education, we're able, we know that, you know, at one time we didn't have animals here in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. There was a time where our deer populations, our turkey populations were decimated. We've done the work to get those back, but to make sure that that doesn't go back in the other direction is really important to us to make sure that the habitat's there for some of those, you know, different animals who did struggle in the early parts of the 1900s. And, you know, we're able to help make sure that that's preserved and that future generations, you know, whether it's your children or anything, we had two kids who were born out of the class this year. You know, we had two people have kids while they were here. Oh, wow. So they get the opportunity to, you know, try and preserve it so that their sons and daughters can hunt someday and, you know, have that same opportunities that they did growing up. Nope, that, that, that's really cool. No, um, can you give us a, maybe an academy story while you were here? I like to kind of make it personal with, uh, you know, something that happened that, that stands out in your mind, good, bad, and different. Trying to think of one. Uh, there's so many things that happen. Um, and I hate to put you on the spot like that. So that, but I, I just, the personal stories, the, you know, sometimes that I know an academy is very boxy, but within my academy I, I can tell you some stories probably I, I, I shouldn't tell some of them but uh you know i remember when uh, it was uh, defensive tactics i was a wrestler and I, I could get out of a lot of moves so the the instructor kept i got selected for some reason and he kept putting me in different pins and i kept getting out of them then he got mad and then i got hurt <laughs> yeah that uh, that definitely happened so mm. i mean yeah there's so many things that happen um we were the first class that everybody got tased, so that was a really fun Ooh. day. So everybody in our class, we decided, we made a deal. We have an attorney here who works for us, mm-hmm. and he said he would get tased if all of us did. Wow. So the all, whole class lined up, and we all uh, I don't think he'd be to, making that deal with every class, Got really. to experience, <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> Not after that. Um, but it was cool to see everybody, you know, come together and do that, and uh you know, just to see the reactions anybody, anytime something like that's happening. So yeah, you, know, you have a lot of interesting sounds that come out of people. Um, 
during those five seconds out there uh, enjoying <laughs> that. So that was a really fun day. Other yeah. than the five seconds you were getting tased, it was a really yeah. You get to watch everybody else experience. too. And, mm, no, that, that that that's that's great. So um, yeah, just an encouragement. I think uh, you, you came out of a job that I just I think that's really cool. You came out of a job. You brought yourself out of that job, not being happy where you are. And I think there are so many younger people out there that aren't happy doing their job that, that would gravitate to the life of being a conservation officer, game warden. Um, so that, that's, a, that's a great reflection. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things. I think you see it with, um, I mean, I'm one of 24 people that's going to graduate tomorrow. Mm. And you look across our class, there's everybody from the age of 22 to 44, people of all ages, of all backgrounds. We have you know people who are former military. We have a former engineer. You know, you have me, you have people from all different. We have people with wildlife degrees. There's so many people with so many different experiences. So that was one of the really cool things over the 44 weeks. You all come here day one. You don't know anybody. You don't know their background. Just to see everybody come together um, and really mm. as a family over those 44 weeks to work together. Because it's one of those settings in you know, any law enforcement academy. You have to work together. You have to be a team. Um, and to watch everybody from all those different backgrounds, from every corner of the state, from other states, come together and really become a team has been one of the really cool things to watch where we came from, from day one to now we're, you know, a completely Polished. different class. Yeah. Mm. So that was really cool just to see all those different people learn to work together um, and really build a, you know, a little family while we were here for the past year. There's no doubt. And just so all the listeners know that this is a paramilitary type of academy. Um, you march, you learn how to march, you do all kinds of things. Uh, you stay here. Uh, except on the weekends, I'm assuming you get to go home. Yeah, we get to go home on the weekends. But yeah, over the 44 weeks, we come in on Sunday night and we're here until we're dismissed on Friday. And mm. you know, during that time, it's like you said, it's it's a paramilitary academy. So we are doing all those things. There's obviously high expectations in the school because um, we're going to have high expectations when we're out in the field. Um, so you have to be able to prove it here. And, you know, we get to do learn all those skill sets. We do a lot of firearms training all that mm. sort of stuff to make sure that we're prepared when we do get out in the field. Yeah. Pennsylvania is known for its forensics. Uh, a lot of other states come here to train. And do you get a big chunk for forensics in the basic academy? Uh, we do. We get a you know good, I think we did a full week and then other you know slots throughout the year where we you know learn different skill sets. But we definitely get a good amount of training on wildlife forensics. It's one of those things where we, we're a one-man band when we're out in the mm. field. You're basically by yourself. So when you go to work at deer case, you have to be able to, you know, do a full necropsy on that animal and try and figure out. We do have resources if it's a more complicated case where we can, you know, we work with uh, East Stroudsburg University for our DNA with different wildlife cases. But for the most part, you're you're doing a lot of that field biology, trying to figure out when that, you know, we learn how to, you know, find out how long ago an animal died, you know, based on like pupil dilation and different factors. So we do get a lot of that, you know, education. Uh, one of our you know resident instructors here kind of leads up that course and has a background in that sort of stuff. So we definitely learn that stuff, which helps us when we're out in the field and you're looking at something mm -hmm. and you're trying to f piece together what happened to that animal um, and when did it happen. Uh, that's a skill set that really helps us in the field. Oh, absolutely. Those are one of the things that stands out in my mind because we had trained the trainer. We sent guys down here and, you know, they brought that back and that was extremely helpful to us. And I know you guys have a great program and I assumed you got it in the, the basic academy. I, I wouldn't see why they wouldn't because it's, it's, it's really, really good and gives you a skill set that you'll use throughout your career. So, but geez, Zach, um, I always say to people, this this podcast is much as your podcast being a game warden as it is my podcast. So, you got you got anything in closing? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think just reiterating, um, you know, here at the Pennsylvania Game Commission, uh, it's a big family. We had, um, I mean, not only all the different wardens who have come in and taught us throughout the year and you know shared their experience of you know being in the field for twenty plus years. We have resident instructors who come in and stay here and decide to come back to the academy, live with us here. Um, and they all the work that goes into getting a cadet class from week one to week 44, it's a lot of work from a lot of people. Every single person in this building, whether it's marketing, whether it's the biologist, they've all been over here to share their expertise to try and make us successful. So I think as a class, we just, you know, we thank all of those people. Um, we all had FTOs where we went out for 10 weeks and they took us under our, their wing and showed us how to do the job out in the field. 
So all of those people, whether it's the resident instructors, all the wardens who have come in, we've had hundreds of instructors from all different agencies, biologists, you know, civilians, people from other, you know, Jeff Bale coming in from, you know, mm. other states. So just thanking all those people because they really, you know, went a long way in making sure that we made it to this day and have the skill sets to go out there and, uh, you know, starting next Wednesday, we'll all be in our own districts and have the opportunity to put those skills to the test. Yeah, you got me all fired up because I'm reflecting back, and that's an exciting part of uh, your career is uh, getting out there, getting into your respective uh, patrols, and like you said, starting to, to learn the job, giving the skill sets here, and now you're going to be applying them to real life. And uh, yeah, it, it's been using that word epic a lot lately, but it is. It, it's, 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 you know, the kicking off, and yeah, I'd do it all over again, man, if I could, for sure. Can't remember all the bad stuff. I remember all the good stuff. <laughs> that's, that's the way you want it. I think everybody's excited. You know, we all have our districts where we're going and everybody's exciting. Do you have any, you know, advice as a, you know, somebody with 23 years of experience, anything you'd pass along to the class as we move forward into our districts? Geez, that's a good question. I have a lot of advice for their supervisors. Uh, one thing I found with uh, younger people coming in, they always wanted my advice. And to be honest with you, I wanted their, their blank canvas, so to speak, because there are guys out there made cases that I couldn't. They took it a whole different route because I let them alone. I didn't want them, you know, every now and then as a supervisor, you want to guide them back to where it is. But I really wanted a, a different perspective. And I let them go on their own. And when they'd ask me, I'm like, nope, I'm not going to give you any help right now. You know, if you get off that trail, then I'll kick you back. But I want to see what you can do. And so many of them took different angles than I ever did. And they caught poachers that I didn't catch. And it was because of that blank uh, canvas, so to speak, that they went in there with a different open mind and took it on from a, a, the problem from a different direction and were successful. And I really enjoyed that about bringing new guys in and, and giving them their leads, so to speak, and learning from them. Uh, technology is always changing, uh, taking what they can bring to me and, and using that. Yeah, so I don't know. If it's so much, uh, I think be yourself is probably the biggest thing. Uh, your skill sets as a supervisor, I always like to use people's strength and match them up with other weaknesses. One of the hardest decision I ever made in my career was selecting a sergeant as a lieutenant, and I picked someone that was totally opposite of me. So we'd make a good team. So his strengths were my weaknesses and vice versa. And that just had balance. And that was the hardest decision because I had to tell somebody that I had worked with for a very long time that I considered a very good friend that I didn't select him. And that, 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 that's a tough thing. So finding those balances for the strengths and weaknesses, especially like if someone's really good with forensics, that, that your patrol partners, the guys that work beside you, hey, can you come and give me a hand? Because that's your strength, you know. And yeah, I'm doing this uh, special uh, talk. Would you mind coming over and helping me out with this? You know, it, to use strengths and weaknesses, you know, to build up those weaknesses. But yet, yeah, some of those weaknesses are always going to be weaknesses with us. Uh, I didn't write a book because I'm not a big writer. Okay, I wrote a children's book. That's more my level when it comes to writing. <laughs> So, but I, I, the department taught me how to talk. They taught me to how to have relationships. So that's kind of why I gravitated towards podcasting. So I guess I kind of gave uh, some, some insight into that, but not, uh, I'm excited for you guys. Cause uh, it's, yeah, you're a blank slate. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where like you kind of mentioned that, you know, you're never done learning, especially in this no. profession, there's always something new around the corner. So something, you know, our education started here with the 44 weeks, but We'll be learning stuff, you know, throughout the entirety of our career and, you know, picking things up from different wardens and, you know, different people you work with. Right. And as you go through your careers, things change you that you get proficient in. I'm teaching college now and I'm teaching wildlife ID and I'm going back to the basics of when I started and the things that I have gotten not polished. I, now that I'm polishing back up on those old skills, it's kind of, it's unique. It's fun. And guys are going to learn from you. You know, some, sometimes when you handle something different, it's like, oh, that was, that was a good way to do it. You know, whether it's wildlife, whether it's people related, you know, firearms techniques, a lot of that I learned in laser tag growing up. Uh, we used to play a lot of laser tag, and I learned some techniques that, uh, skill sets, I think, saved my life uh, numerous of times. You know, I learned cover, concealment, those types of things, how to lay an ambush when you've been ambushed, the, you know, trying to get those things out. So yeah, those, those skill sets, it's kind of funny. You, you talk about, you know, the military, but guys that play laser tag growing up and in college are very sneaky, and that's what you got to be, is sneaky. 
Um, and that's game wardens are sneaky too. I mean, uh, some of the best cases we hiked a mile into the woods in the dark to do. And when we dropped the bomb on that case, they were like, how the heck did you guys ever find us and get all this video documentation? And then they just blows their minds on the determination and the skill sets that, that we acquire through our careers. I'm excited. Well, last day of the Academy. Really appreciative that you sat down with me on the last day. Cause, uh, yeah, I, I, I know there's tons of stuff going through your mind, and it's certainly a great day to share with the Warden's Watch listeners, and we appreciate it, Zach. Yeah, thank you very much. I, you know, I appreciate you having me on and uh, any advice that you gave us, so yeah. hopefully uh, you know, we can go out in the field and uh, make Pennsylvania proud. Yes, I no doubt you guys will, so thank you. Please join me, Game Warden Wayne Saunders, and other Game Wardens on our adventures protecting wildlife, saving lives, and having fun, all while serving the public and the natural resources of our planet. Listen to the tales and experiences of those who work in the outdoors while being entertained with stories about encounters with poachers, wildlife investigation, murder investigation, near-death experiences, search and rescue missions, wildlife interactions from game wardens around the country and around the world. When I retired, I realized I couldn't let go of that legacy, but rather wanted to share the passion, the commitment, and the stories of those men and women that call themselves game wardens. This is Game Warden, Wayne Saunders, and this is Warden's Watch. Please join me, Game Warden Wayne Saunders, and other Game Wardens on our adventures protecting wildlife, saving lives, and having fun, all while serving the public and the natural resources of our planet. Listen to the tales and experiences of those who work in the outdoors while being entertained with stories about encounters with poachers, wildlife investigation, murder investigation, near-death experiences, search and rescue missions, wildlife interactions from game wardens around the country and around the world. When I retired, I realized I couldn't let go of that legacy, but rather wanted to share the passion, the commitment, and the stories of those men and women that call themselves game wardens. This is Game Warden, Wayne Saunders, 